Welcome to another episode of Campus Life, the flagship podcast here on the Campus to Camp podcast feed. As always, I'm Colin, and Austin is off this week. Let me know short notice that he wasn't going to be on this week, but fortunately, I tabbed our Devi extraordinaire, our senior bowl guy, Mike Valerie, from back to Devi at FF Dirty Mike. Got back from Mobile just in time to hop on with me. Mike, I appreciate it, man. appreciate you coming on. It's good being here. Uh, you also forgot to include junior draft analyst. That's okay. It's a long title. Jun- junior draft analyst? Yeah. yeah you haven't the- gotten the senior one yet? No, that's going to be just Barnabas. I don't. I can't hit all the positions the way he does. I got some understanding, a little bit more than I think most people do in this space, but I, I do not have the expertise. I mean, you have more of an understanding of that than I do. You we were talking about the Raheem, the center for... I don't even remember where he's from, but you were talking about some <laughs> technique and stuff. And I'm like, just right over my head. Yeah. Uh, Rain center from Rame. Oklahoma. Rain center from Oklahoma. I know JPJ Jackson powers Johnson. That's about yeah. all I got. Yeah. There's actually a lot of um, like for the linemen, a lot of like uh, positional movement this year compared to last year. Like last year it was like Cody mock. Who's uh, I think I had a decent year with Tampa Bay actually. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually, only his family really showed up. I remember during practices, a lot more families showed up this year. Okay. But, um, yeah, they're moving guys around a lot, like centers out the guard, guards in the centers, and just, I guess, a lot of, like, mismatching and stuff like that. It's just to see if they can, like, be versatile that way. I thought that was interesting. It's always, like, a discussion topic out, like, draft time. Like, this guy measures more as a guard than a center, you know, so on and so forth. Yeah, when you always get those short-arm tackles, and they're like, oh, we'll just kick him into guard. But you never know if they can actually do it or not. At least I don't. Right, right. Yeah. Um, All right. But this was year two in Mobile. Second year you went to the Senior Bowl. How was it this year? It was actually a lot better, I thought. Different little structure, but it was also better. I thought there was a lot more media people there. Um, They kind of redid the scheduling, too. So, uh, like, they did, like, an 8 a.m. media hour thing one day. It was Wednesday. And, like, Players were not people person at 8 a.m. Like, it was bad. I remember <laughs> talking to Jonathan Mingo. I think we like I think we just deleted that interview. It was like he was just not a morning person. And I saw him do like an afternoon interview with somebody else, and he was great. And I was like, all right, this guy just hates the morning. Everyone's like on their phones looking tired. Uh Michael Wilson last year was out studying routes at 8 a.m. And I was like, this guy, look at this guy. Is he faking it or is he being for real? So <laughs> anyway um this year they did in the afternoon it was a lot better than uh the on-field interview stuff was not good because they they really pigeonholed us like you're not allowed to go past the 30 and you couldn't go past the far hash so players could like just run out the field now struggling with you earlier but i really want to talk to michael pratt do his first one on the field every single day like, he's in there doing his warm-ups um he's also the first one out like he's running like forrest gump out there like, as, soon as, <laughs> as soon as the huddle's done he's gone uh so uh, probably from all his interviews but anyway like it's it's a lot of like that and then uh players don't have to come to you like day one they were just like playing catch like on the other side of the field and i was like all right cool screw us awesome <laughs> um so you either had to like shove your camera in front of someone's like six thousand cameras in front of one dude's face actually comes over to talk to you guys uh some of them i wonder if it was like a pity thing but it was kind of like a tease as well they would do their interviews with the actual like people that got like the better credentials than us yeah. They would do them on the 35 yard line. So you could kind of see the interview, but you really were not partaking the interview. So I don't know if that was like them trying to like do a middle ground there. Felt like it was teasing a little bit. Um, yeah. So it, it was kind of like that. So it was a little bit different. Uh, but it it really was, I think, better structured um overall. Definitely more player empowering to use earlier, but definitely player friendly. Uh, because they, they could just not do interviews. Um Kids were hilarious. The kids are there. They're just heckling players on the sideline. Like, give me your gloves. Not even knowing who the players' names are. Like, sign this. And they got, like, you know, a sheet of, like, a ream. Knew that from the office. A ream of paper. Just having players sign random stuff that they can and just, like, stashing them. Like, these, like, eight-year-olds, ten-year-olds, like, hustling. Like, are they... They're, they're getting they're everyone to sign those. stuff. And they're like, once Spencer Rattler becomes a superstar, they'll be like, I can sell this for, like, 5000 bucks, I guess. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> so, um, it Brian. was... Yeah, it was grind. It was good. Definitely like a lot of like go, go, go. It was uh cool meeting people too. I really didn't talk to a lot of people until like day three. Day three is a little bit more relaxed, practices are relaxed. Um, one of the teams didn't even do like their one v ones. So I think it's do like a lot of networking. I love to network. Uh got to meet Jason D. Rianzo. Wish I could have talked to him more. Uh, but after like the day three interview portion, like practice is done, that 
stadium emptied out fast. So I was like hoping to like catch up with some dudes, but it was, you know, people got flights and it was just done. So. Cool. Well, I mean, it sounds like great experience. Yeah. I know last year you guys talked to like Dane Brugler and like some of the bigger names there. You hit yes. any of those guys there or were they in that five yard box that you guys weren't allowed in? Dane got better credentials than us. He was on the field this year. Um, we did get like, – there was a group of guys that got to sneak up. Like, we snuck over the other side a little bit. Like, there was one side that security was a little bit more relaxed. Um, and we just flashed our badge. They even look at it. it just, so, <laughs> so I uh, got to talk to Field uh, Field Yates. Really okay. nice guy. That was really cool. Uh, Jerry Rex was there. He's, like, not a nice guy. Not a nice guy. T.O., not – not mean, but I wouldn't call him nice either. He's the neither one of those guys want to talk to you unless you were an executive or something. But like at least T.O. would be like, nah, man, I can't do any photos right now. You know? But the other guy, like Jerry Rice would be like, Yeah, man, give me a couple minutes. And they just ignore you. And I was yeah. little little shout out to uh I'm not messing up your name, but Faris Sadiq of Hidden Hand Fantasy, cool dude. Dude, they heard us off the field. I'm watching from a distance for like five minutes, like hold off the security lady trying to push him off the field while he's trying to get a, a photo with Jerry Rice. And then he's taking photos for Jerry Rice with other people's cameras and then just never got his photo. And oh. I was like, that's messed up. That's messed up. So um, anyway, uh, yeah, got to meet some some famous people. Okay. Okay. Now you and Barnabas went down. This is the second mm -hmm. you guys went down together. Uh, was there anything you guys did differently this year compared to last year? Like with the way you guys prepared or set anything up? Yeah. So last year, our interview questions, we kind of like halfway through last year, like thought like they're a little generic. Um, we, there's a lot of smaller dudes last year. And after talking <laughs> to like the second five foot nine receiver and we're like, yeah, who do you mirror your game after? And they say Tyreek Hill. And you're like, this is a stupid question because everyone's going to like say some sort of all star. Like, uh, yeah. No one's going to say, yeah, I mirror my game after Malik Heath, like fifth round <laughs> pick out of Mississippi doesn't touch the field for for Green Bay. So, um, and also like just it just felt like everyone's asking the same questions as well. So uh, this year we wanted to be a little bit more lighthearted. We thought players would appreciate that more. Some of them openly were like talking to Theo Johnson and Revis Fanford. Like before the interview, I'm like, we do college fantasy football content. We kind of already know your game i don't really got questions for you <laughs> like they laugh at that and i'm just like but we want to see we want to show people more about your character so and we know this week's like stressful all these interviews it's probably draining like we just want to like laugh a little bit have some fun and like theo straight up was just like this sounds pretty good because this this is kind of sucks out here <laughs> so it was like cool seeing a lot of these players like uh just their character you can catch them on our youtube i think they're going up monday which is today but it was a lot of like just Players having fun showing character. It was um, we had a group interview. I did a little spoiler. We had a group interview with like five dudes. We got Jamari Thrash, and like we're asking him like, "Hey, who do you like?" Coach comes out. He's got some bad news for the football team. They call someone cheating on a test. I'm like, what position group does your mind go to? And he's just like, "Yeah, DBs, dude. Those guys." And then like, there's a defensive back at the table. Is like, "You mother, you know." <laughs> no, they're always grabbing a foul. That's wide receivers, you know. And um, so it, it was. A little bit fun, and I think the uh, players appreciated it. It was a little different, so it, it felt better. Uh, we also went for, like, not popular guys. Um, like, I'm trying to think. Uh, like, last year, Dewan Jones had insane weight and great measurables, showed up for, like, half a day, didn't even play. Uh, and then, like, the interview portion, like, half the media went right to him. Like, I don't, I don't know. I hate waiting in lines. I don't want to compete for people's attentions either. Uh, now the concept I'm going to get is really that unique either. You can see it on anyone else's platform. So I didn't want to do that this year. So me, we kind of targeted like lower level guys. Now I do have a little bit of a humiliating story to tell you. I was pretty okay. humiliated straight up. It's going to be okay. on my conscience for like at least like two years. Yes, well, now I'm looking forward to this. Now yeah. I'm looking forward to this. Speaking of mid-tier guys, uh, I believe our week two um, like preview episode, me and Barnabas did, we did a like offensive linders like a trench versus trench type of thing where we drafted trench players. And that's what we talked about for our show. I picked Tyler Guyton as a tackle with one of my last picks because I thought he had great measurables similar to Dewan Jones, but I also thought he was a bit of a project and with only one year of starting experience. So I thought like he's like the perfect like day two pick for a team to make where they can like, this, this guy has all the tools. They just need to fix his technique, get him some reps. Um, we got to Guyton pretty early, like day two. Like we got him early and I'm setting up, I'm doing my whole thing with him. Like, Hey, we're just trying to do some lay harder questions here. Like we know, you know, same spiel I said earlier, 
And he's like, yeah, that's cool. And like, I blink and there's about five cameras in my face, about another like 12 microphones. Um, and I was just like, <laughs> I was like, dude, these, these people don't care about me asking who he thinks is cheating on a test <laughs> in the locker room. Like, so I tried to ask him like, what's your favorite play call? And then, uh, I think Guyton's like kind of one of the shyer, nicer linemen that were there. Cause he definitely was trying to like think about his pre-prepared responses. I'm just blessed to be in any play. And, uh, you know, I play for anyone and, and, uh, it's not like the interviews that we want to do. It's not the content I want to get, but it's not going so well. And I'm not like firing off questions nonstop. Now this, this old dude, I'm going to put him in a home. I swear I'm fine. fine. I'm putting him <laughs> this old dude rocking all Cincinnati gear. He's behind us straight. Just like turns this dude around. And he's just like, Hey, so-and-so from the Cincinnati, whatever. Uh, you, do you know Orlando Brown? The guy's like, oh, yeah, he's a mentor to me. I love that guy. We we have breakfast all day. Yeah, he's great. You know, and he's like, oh, yeah, what about uh, – and he's also some other all-star Oklahoma player. And he's just like, yeah, dude, awesome. Love him. And then his third question was just like, what do you think about the Bengals? Yeah, obviously, like, he's not going to be like, they suck. I would never play for them. Like, he's just there like, yeah, I, Joe Burrow's great. Jamar Chase. <laughs> awesome you know I, I would love to block for joe like obviously he's gonna say that and meanwhile i'm there like my interview got hijacked i just want to get out like all these cameras are in my face i'm just looking stupid standing here and i'm like trying to like gently like tap his hand i'm like you know trying to get my trying to get my little mic back like yeah, i'm trying to i'm just trying to f off bro just let me go just let me just be release me from this torture please and then i had like like the third time i had to just grab it out of his hand like it was i was like i'm humiliated barbus was pissed <laughs> and I'm sitting there like, I don't know if I'm mad. Like the dude's probably connected with the Bengals. Like we're just kind of goofing off like a little bit. Like I probably shouldn't be too mad about this. And he's DeMarmer's like, no, dude, we're all media. We're all, we are, are not that important. We're all just media people. We're not. No one on our side of the field is associated with an NFL team. And I was like, dude, he's, he's right, dude. I'm going back <laughs> in there. Anyway, I was so humiliated straight up. I was like, I was like dude, delete that. I don't even want Matt seeing that behind closed curtains. Just delete that interview. Just get it out of here. <laughs> so that's, we can't even air that later in the, you know, five years down No the one will ever see it, but with all the cameras around, I'm going to be really embarrassed if it ends up on TikTok and they're just like, look at this guy get embarrassed. Interview they just put hijacked. a clown emoji on your face. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude. Yeah, I was... I was, dude, I was in my bag the rest of the day. I really was. I was like, you know, Barbara, you want to do next one? I'm like, no, you do next one. I'm cameraman the rest of the day. I don't want to be a part of this. That was the motivation you needed, though. I saw a couple of those other interviews. They were solid. That Theo Johnson one. Um, yeah, thought you liked that. I did. I did. Uh, we can talk about him maybe a little bit later. But, yeah. you know, I saw that he officially said, direct quote, I come from Canada. So, Felix... I think we uh, we heard straight from the horse's mouth here. Windsor, Canada is not Detroit. <laughs> we I did have like a bunch of like shenanigans planned this year. They obviously definitely uh, um, corralled media far more than they did last year. Only 10 minutes after the practice to do interviews. But just like some shenanigans I had planned. I carried a, a um, electric razor with me every day. I wanted to find a dude that had an eye, a, um, a eyebrow notch. I wanted to ask him if he thinks an eyebrow notch would look good, but like with a mustache. <laughs> and I was fully prepared to commit to let's do shave part of my mustache for a notch. And then if it looked ugly, I would just shave it all off, obviously, that night. But I was prepared for that. I wanted to uh I wanted to like just try to be like, yo, you guys think that they should just have a, a regular ordinary adult like run the combine so people can stop calling <laughs> you guys slow when you run four fives, you know? And obviously I hope one of them would say yes. And I'd be like, all right, one, two, three, go. And I would go race them, you know, but can't do that because we only had no space to work with. We we're like pigs in the pen. Um, I brought tongs like for cooking tongs. And like, I don't know if you ever saw, but the Buffalo Bills had, uh, they brought like a power drill in. And they had their players like just hand it to them and they're like, do the thing. And they look confused. And then other ones would like click it twice, like, zh, zh, you know, to make sure it works. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and they would cheer when they did them right. Like, I was going to do that with the tongs to see if they oh, click them the twice. Click, click. Yeah. Mm, okay. You know, if they cook food or not. So, anyway, um, didn't, didn't do that either. So, I had a lot of things planned. I couldn't get done, but that was the next time year. change that we had. Maybe. Next year. Maybe, maybe next dude. year. Maybe yeah, next I better year. not see the old guy, dude. I bet I'm gonna go interrupt <laughs> one of his interviews. I <laughs> just heckle, I just heckle him next time. If you see him there next year, find him, commit that face to memory. I hope, I hope he stubs his toe every day. 
every day, dude. I hope he stubs his toe every day. I like the uh, I like that combine question you had. You should definitely use that one next year if you get a chance. Yeah. Maybe you know, maybe you don't have the room to do the one, two, three, go, and you just take off running. But I like that question. Yeah, it will just end, it will just end there too. Let's come back like dust. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we'll get into the actual senior bowl recap practices, you know, kind of how things went. Um, so first off, I, I know you're going to do probably a lot of this stuff on back to Debbie here. So I kind of want to keep this a little bit higher level. Um, who was the biggest winner from this event at the skill positions? I mean, I know you're, you're getting into offensive line. Now you're a junior draft analyst, you're evolving beyond just us fantasy guys, but fantasy positions. Who is the biggest winner from this event for you? That was tough. I could like cheese it and say like Carter Bradley, who was on no one's radar. <laughs> and clearly is on people's radar now. Like I thought I he felt- looked okay. Like he didn't look bad. He certainly didn't look out of place. Um, I heard I think- uh, on the game that he's Gus Bradley's son. I didn't know that. Interesting. That longtime NFL coach. They're saying on the on yeah. the broadcast of the game that he's Gus Bradley's son. I was like, well, that is probably going to get him drafted that and being at the senior bowl. They were throwing a lot of like bloodline relations. I didn't know. Like someone was someone else's nephew. I didn't know. I think it was like Brownlee was someone's cousin. I don't know, but there was quite a few of that this year. Um, Ray Davis might be the biggest winner. It's a really weak running back room. Um, Sorry. She does my shocked face. (laughs) I'm not the sneeze over here. Um, Yeah, anyway, Ray Davis has some really good quick lateral movement, but he looked really good as like a pass catcher, like a plus pass catcher, like one-arm grabs, running routes. Got to catch up with his dad, too, so like uh, got, got some inside scoops, too. I'm not going to drop him, but he got some really positive view from his interview section, too. So in a very lackluster running back room. Anyway, there's like maybe like two or three, not two or three. I think there's three day two running backs in this class, but I think Ray probably is a borderline day two type of guy. So Ray is probably the biggest winner. I imagine out of all these skill position groups, I think. Okay. Okay. So he said probably only like three or four guys that I'm assuming you would have graded as day two. Yeah. Obviously that would yes. be a historically bad class. We know this is a bad class overall, but um, is, is Ray Davis one of the guys you think could go day two now? No, I still think he's day three, but I, uh-huh. I think he went from like six rounder to like, I think like a solid fourth. Like I don't think he falls out of the fourth. Okay. And obviously we'll have to see how the medicals check out. Cause I know that's one of his big question marks too. You yeah. know, how is that going to check out at the combine? But yeah. And it's also like an environment too. Like a lot of stuff's like half field or even like red zone work. So you didn't really need Ray to show off any juice, like some like long speed, Like you didn't, you didn't need that. So pretty good environment for him, I guess. Well, Matt, uh, Matt Bruning, obviously biggest Ray Davis truther. Yes. You know, I'm, I'm probably, I'm up there, uh, at least throughout the course of this year. Um, Austin, probably notable hater, but I'll be interested to see where he ends up too. Cause I think he's on that day two, three borderline. But yeah, uh, I think like, I want to say Pratt's a bit of a winner too. Okay. No one cared about Pratt. I know our company cares about Pratt, but nobody cared about Pratt coming in. And I'm trying, I, I even looked last night to see, where he was going in mock drafts before this, and it was a lot of like middle of day three. I could see a lot. And I've seen, I think, a little bit more like third round to fourth round. And I think that's like appropriate for him. I do think he's a project. And even talking to dudes on the sidelines, like just other content creators out there that have much larger followings than myself. But um it feels a lot like a lot of I don't want to call it like disingenuous type analysis out there. A lot of dudes are making their NFL draft content based on what thinks going to happen, not their own personal analysis. And that was pretty obvious talk to these dudes. Everyone on the sidelines like, oh, there goes bubble screen Bo. It's just <laughs> like, so you guys recognize and acknowledge that he can't throw that far or even accurately farther than 10 yards. And it was very clearly on display there too. Like, so it, it was nice to see him out of Oregon because Oregon's just a system. Like we knew this. It's, it's a system. And they take him out of a system and then it just kind of confirmed all the priors that we thought we had about him. But even like, even after that, like you're seeing everyone's like articles, I'm clicking on them. They're like, yeah, Bonix QB one or two in this, in this group. Like it's, you really don't believe that. I know we just talked about it. You don't believe that. So he's still getting mock drafts. And so is like Penix, like super high, but it's weird. Cause all these dudes clearly don't, don't believe it. They don't believe it. So uh, he's, he's probably interesting. Okay. I mean, I like the, I like the Pratt shout out there. You know, he was probably 
our biggest miss from the Debbie guide last year, um, not including maybe, him. Maybe um, Garrett Nussmeyer. Him or Nussmeyer. I'm surprised we didn't put Nussmeyer in there with how much yeah. Austin loved him. But, um, you know, I, I wrote my my honorable mention article, my one article a year. Um, Pratt was was somebody that I highlighted in there. And I think that, you know, he has an NFL skill set. Uh, so I think, you know, good to see him holding his own against some of these bigger named QBs, guys you've been hearing about for a while, like Bo Nix and Michael Penix and Spencer Rattler and those types of guys. Rattler also had a really great week too. Not day one, terrible day one. Opposite of Pratt. Pratt had a great day one and then kind of looked very mediocre, trailing off. And then Rattler was the opposite. And it was funny because you got the whole like chemistry narrative, you know, like yeah. last year, Jared Hall and Puka, like they're amazing day one. And then um, we had Pratt and Jaquan Jackson. Like they kind of were pretty good day one. But then like Leggett and Pratt and Rattle and Rattler were just terrible day one. They couldn't get on the same page. I'm joking with Eric Froton, who stole my hat. I didn't forget that, Eric. Um, like it, they're trying to throw like boundary type balls, and it's just like totally mistimed, wrong placement. And it's he's throwing them like outside, and like that's trying to work inside because that's all he does is run inside, he just run slants. <laughs> it's just so it was a lot of fun. He's just be like, You're not in the South Carolina system anymore, you gotta like do other stuff. So, uh, that was that was funny, but they got on the same page day two and day three, okay. Uh, well, this is this is not on the show sheet, so I'm just throwing this at you. But I know you're a you're a professional. So you mentioned Puka and how he showed up day one, looked pretty good, and then just didn't do anything after that. Like he left. There's a couple guys that left this year. Was there anybody that showed up, played well, and then left that you think, okay, they proved everything that they needed to prove this year, or were, do you think that maybe somebody got should have stuck around? There's one name in particular I'm, I'm kind of hinting at here, but I wanted to <laughs> okay. keep it open. <laughs> I wanted to just, before we get to that question, just real quick, just wanted to say Rasheen Ali was only there for like most of day one. And I think I saw, I was listening to some podcasts and people were reporting that he left or left early. And the people were like, oh, he was quiet the rest of the week. He left early. I think he tore a bicep. Like it's like he, mm, he okay. got legit hurt out there. So he didn't leave because of that. But anyway, just want to say that for Rasheen Ali. Okay. Um, the leave earliest were just Roman and ricky pearsall not lad which i think people were surprised about we can talk about him later but um i think i don't know both those guys i believe are a little underrated now i'm looking at mock drafts lately last night too i think maybe they're a little overrated but i think they're both locking day two guys now so whatever people's okay. opinion were before i think i was a little skeptical about roman because a lot of it was like body catching it you know when he got like one target a game thanks to jj mccarthy <laughs> Like, but it, it was just ball ball placement. Like he was great. He was phenomenal. Uh, even like uh, Keon Mitchell, the Toledo corner, who I think played his way into day one. Like he it, during the one on ones, he called out like Roman because he wanted to go play against Roman for the one v one. So okay, him and then Pearsall. Pearsall's day one was not great because he like fell on the ground twice. It was just weird. I don't know if him slipping or he just couldn't win at the physical game. But there was like two routes were really not good. And then they let him run his usual like Florida route where he does kind of like more like a slant, just kind of inward breaking, which is very easy to win your 1v1s against DBs to so just do in breaking routes. Uh, but once he did, he looked good. I think Pearsall looked really good, and so did Roman. I just have questions if either one of them can work on the outside or their slot only at the next level. But I do think like come to your rookie drafts or whatever, or I, I think they're very reliable slots at the next level. Okay. Okay. Good to know. Uh, and then. Back to the show sheet here. Biggest loser. Just one name, biggest loser, fantasy position, player you think, you know, hurt themselves the most, or if there's any player that you're like, I'm not touching this player anymore. Uh, who would be Tez Walker? Tez Walker is easily the, the, the very easy answer to this. Um, I, I think he lost. I, I actually had a tally and I don't have the sheet in front of me, but I think he I think he only won two of his 12 1v1s. Could be three. Um they they just played physical against him. And he just couldn't do anything about it. He let them into his frame, even when he did get some separation with his speed on the sidelines. Like he couldn't get his second hand free, so he couldn't crowd the ball in with one hand. Um, obviously, his running, his footwork wasn't there. We kind of knew that going in. He's not like a footwork type of guy, but it, it was, it was like that. So I, I thought Tez really just showed that he can't be like on an island by himself. He's not that type of guy, which I don't think any of us thought. But instead of going from like you know, a wide receiver two, three in NFL system. I thought he's maybe more of a rotational piece, field stretcher, 
just need you for your speed, nothing else uh, type of guy. So it's pretty disappointing. It's from a guy that was getting randomly, randomly, randomly mock drafts in the first round, I think maybe he's probably a late third rounder only for his speed. Uh, but if you take away his speed, he's truly unremarkable as a player. That's disappointing. I know he's a guy that we were pretty high on at the site, especially, you know, with everything he did at uh, Kent State and then going if he had him paired with Drake May. And then that whole saga at the beginning, he finally got on the field and finally, like, put up the counting stats. Um, but I, and I, I only really watched, like, some clips that were posted by you and some others and read some articles. And I did watch the game. And I, I see what you were saying there with, like, when he was going deep, he really got one arm jammed in with the DB and was trying to pull in everything one-handed. Like, he just couldn't get that second arm free. So I don't know if that's... That's not something I ever noticed on his tape before. No. So I don't know if it was just like jitters, if he was trying to do too much or what. But yeah, I, he did not look good, at least in the games and the clips that I saw either. It was a ton of drops too. Even when he was like free, like just like even like I'm saying like two arms free, ton of drops. <laughs> it was it was and I never thought he had bad hands. It was pretty bad. It was pretty bad. All right. So we'll have to maybe sell him if you, if, if I have him, I know I have him yeah, in one or two places. So I might need to try to sell him. Um, but right. So it sounds like Tez might be the player who changed their opinion, your opinion, the most of them, but who would be the next player? Just one name, either positive or negative where you came out of this event with the biggest change in your opinion. I almost want to say Michael Penix or, I already said Ray Davis earlier. Michael Penix is like a system pocket passer QB that sat behind a really superior offensive line all year. Um, he never reset his feet when he was flushed out of the pocket. You never saw him reset his feet. Um, and he just struggled actually whenever he had to get flushed out of the pocket. It was interesting to see. because it, it really was like noticeable. And he went from like, I know like Felix in the chat one day, I think it was during one of the live shows where like, is he a franchise QB? It's like, he's certainly <laughs> not like, there's no way you could think that. But I think, cause I, I dropped like my QB grades today on Twitter and I wrote in my little notes too, like he teeters on the grade of like priority backup the way I like had Hennon Hooker last year or a like short-term starter, like while a franchise gets feet on the ground. So, um, I think Pennix and Bo, because I already talked about Bo earlier. I think both of those guys prove that they're just not the future of an NFL team. Um, yeah, yeah. And then Ray, I already talked about too. Ray, Ray showed out a lot there. I think Cody Schrader a little bit better, and then I dove in a little bit more, and I felt kind of stupid for hyping him up a little bit. But <laughs> yeah. okay, um, why was Marshawn Lloyd uh, not mentioned here as a player who changed your opinion the most positively? Uh, you hated him. Pretty, pretty staunchly before the season, uh, very vocally. We got into some some discussions behind the scenes. Heard a lot of buzz about him. Uh, I was kind of hoping that you would mention him here. I so people he had some he had some fumbles and like everyone's ignoring that and it's kind of weird. No one's really mentioning it because I think fumbles is also a part of his profile too. Not that he had a ton, but I think if you do like a like fumble per touch type of thing, you just kind of do the math yourself and it's kind of a higher number on that fumble rate. Um, and some of his decision-making too as a runner. So there's like one drill. I think he took it out wide. I actually think I posted it. I think I actually put it in our chat. I may have put it in the Discord. Anyway, like Max Melton, like just forced fumbles the ball out, just punches it out. He's not really good at securing that ball like tight, um, which is an issue at the next level. And this is also, it could have all been stopped if he just ran out of bounds. I don't know why he tried to like push for extra yardage in a drill that didn't require hitting. Like they don't hit. They did a little bit more physical stuff day three, but like, I don't know why he tried to do that. He did show some nice lateral agility, which I think I've switched up my opinion about this whole year, even even at the senior bowl, like show some nice cutting ability. Um, like had some really good vision too. Like there's one time where like the hole just didn't open up, it was blocked up. Uh, and then he turned to do the opposite field type of run around the edge, which I liked. Um, except for I think one of the DBs was actually sealing the edge. Not the not the edge, but a DB was sealing the edge and it would have gotten there. So um he had a fine week. I, I don't know if the needle moved or not on him. He was already kind of my RB4 in the class. I don't think like he did worse or better than I already had him at. So it's kind of weird when you ask these like stock up questions because it's like according to my stock, like I think it's just break even. He's still there. He's still like a fourth, fifth rounder for me. Okay. Okay. Well, I mean, I think you're wrong. 
but okay you know, that's all we'll right see. that's, that's we'll what it's all we'll about see. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. Um, any other QB notes you want to hit on here? I mean, I know you kind of talked Penix, Knicks, Pratt, talked a little Spencer Rattler. Anything else you wanted to touch on quarterback-wise that really stood out to you? Yeah, Joe Milton, like, uh, he's got the launch codes. I mean, he'll, he'll throw a nuke. You just don't know if it's hitting Russia or China <laughs> or where or what province. Um, and that was pretty – I mean, we all knew that going in. But watching him do it, just – it. Watching him in person do it just felt way worse than seeing it on tape. So um, that was pretty consistent for his profile. And he just lacked touch as well. Also something we knew, but just watching a person just looked way worse than what it looked like from a different view. Um, it, and stuff that when he, when he tried to do like touch the best he could, like he was, he, he was physically thinking like, I'm going to slow my arm down. I'm going to physically <laughs> slow this arm down. Uh, so I don't really have anything to say about Milton's weak there with the exception of he clearly has the best arm I, he had the best arm and I'm, I'm sure he gets drafted purely for that and then after he gets drafted we'll never hear about him ever again so seeing it live is it is it impressive like his arm strength like did you get to see him really like uncork any and you were just like whoa no it's not it was not big throw season just yet i think they <laughs> say that for the pro days but it was okay. not yeah okay uh, all right, well, moving into the running backs here, any other like big notes you want to hit on on the running backs? I do have one guy I want to ask you about them, but I want to give you a chance to you know, kind of do your, your little notebook dump here on any running backs you want. I, I came out, I came away overall more impressed with the running backs than I thought I was going to coming in. Uh, Vidal looked good, which was like, I, Vidal looked good. Dylan Alave was clearly the best pass catcher. The only one catching like deep balls has some pretty good routes too as well. Isaiah Davis is, maybe one of two or three like pure power backs that were there. So it was really cool seeing him there too as well. Um, I honestly didn't pay too much attention to him minus the 1v1 drills. I thought Cody Schrader had some better movement ability that I gave him credit for. And then I watched all the 1v1 tape that's now on YouTube because it's it's all out there now. Uh, and I, I thought maybe I gave him way too much credit. And a lot of double catching too. Um, so my opinion was changed about Cody Schrader. And then I think it, readjusted itself back up to where it was okay okay um i i don't know really much anything about lob or lobby or uh, isaiah davis so i'm gonna have to watch those guys prior to actually like you know putting together rookie rankings and stuff but yeah interesting to know i, I heard you and barnabas talking about his pass catching ability too uh in, in your recap shows so i'm gonna have to keep an eye out for that one uh, the one guy I did want to ask you about, though, and it was, you know, when you guys did your day three recap, talked about the fantasy positions, you'd said, you know, you hadn't really gotten a chance to dive too deep into Amani Bailey. It was more of like an initial pass through leading into the senior bowl. Um, but he's a guy who you haven't really heard it too much about at all, like buzz wise from anybody. Uh, but in the game, those first couple carries, the first couple touches that he got, he looked pretty good. Uh, do you have a, a strong opinion on Amani Bailey now, um, or are you still kind of flushing, flushing that out a little bit? I'm definitely more out on him than I was before. I was intrigued a little bit more. The issue is that a lot of these guys, I think, are all change of pace, pass shifting level backs at the next at like the NFL level, and those guys I think are very hard to predict their success. I feel like it's very team dependent, landing spot dependent. The pass shifting skill set it's really not as hard to find. Like there's some plus pass catchers like Gibbs and and Eckler. But then there's like the guys that check just check the box, you know, like uh, like Tyler Beatty from Missouri. I thought he would have been a fine passing back in the NFL level. Never yeah. saw him touch the field, and we <laughs> probably never will at this point either. So um, that's why I thought a lot of these guys were. So it's very hard to project those. Uh, but Bailey, like, I, I think he just got swallowed whole. Like he's five foot seven. Certainly looked like someone brought like their JV son to like varsity practice, and um, like, they're just. He didn't stand out. I don't think he would have looked bad at anything, but he certainly didn't look good either at anything. And this is like an environment where there's no chemistry. So like as far as a running back hitting a whole individual skill set, they should do a little bit better than like teams that aren't coordinated. So, um, yeah, I was a little disappointed by his performance. Yeah, I, he's a guy that I had. I was pretty interested in following how, how he did when he got there because he had pretty much the quietest 1200 yard season that I can remember. Like yeah. when you look up his stats, you're like, wow, Damani Bailey had 1200 yards this year and eight touchdowns. Um, had a really nice year. And I watched him and I thought, like, he's, he reminds me a lot of like Isaiah Pacheco, where he just gets the ball okay. and tries to go. 
Yeah. Like that, there's no patience. He just gets it. He just wants to run as fast as he can and just violently run somebody over every time he touches the ball. Um, I would just be absolutely shocked if that was his career path or his career arc. Yeah, that feels like a ceiling, honestly. Although Pacheco was, you know, what, like sixth round pick? I think it was a seventh round pick, which was like terrible for me. He was my lowest rated running back. I I graded him the lowest. I think like RB 30 out of 30 and and he he killed it. And then I think the year before him or after him, it was like Tyrion Davis price and he had drafted in the third round. And I was like, I guess I I guess I just suck. TDP, you know, he's not doing anything now. So no, that's no, not I turned out to be right on that. But. Yeah, and everybody missed on Pacheco. I mean, even in C2C leagues where basically everybody's rostered, like Pacheco was available. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, I appreciate your thoughts there on, on Bailey. Um, I, I'm still kind of trying to figure out where I want to slot him on this class, but the 5-7 thing is definitely, definitely hurts a little bit. Some of these uh, dudes look much smaller than their verified sizes too. I don't know if I'm just losing it but like like for example like tez walker was at 200 like in person he did not look 200 pounds like it was but he measured at 200 so i'm just wrong but interesting um oh well speaking of wide receivers here any any last wide receiver notes you want to hit on yes uh leggett like we talked about this a little bit earlier leggett flournoy baker and rice we're all like superior athletes like none of them were really that refined uh they're all developmental type players um i get a lot of pushback for this but i do think they're all like day three type guys and i don't know if any of them are really that special Leggett was clearly like very slow at turning um wilson like a lot all these guys all of them well not Florida, but the other three were trying to like show too much footwork in their routes like it was very clear day one like these agents gave multiple agents gave their players bad advice on how to play day one like they're they're just doing like Anaya Smith was trying to do so much extra footwork and stuff and he's like little cross steps in his route and it was like what are you doing just go like it's it's been two minutes you can leave the line now <laughs> so um and same with like the bigger guys were doing that too day day two I thought Leggett stopped that I thought Baker stopped that I thought Rice did better at stopping that um but again for the most part they're just superior athletes with high level of play strength and that was kind of really my only notes for all three of them across the board. Uh, so those guys tend to be like early day threes for me. And like a lot of like Trey, I saw a lot of Trey Palmer and some of these guys too. That was Trey Palmer last year was just running into dudes in his routes and then just blowing them up and then he would get free. And it's just like, that doesn't really work. You gotta, <laughs> gotta do a little bit more than that, but they're just superior athletes. I was very surprised at Flournoy FCS wide receiver. I didn't have high expectations of those guys like adjusting. Well, I do think the FCS corner uh, Willie, I think Willie Smith, like he looked, I thought he looked terrible out there, but I thought Florida looked like he belonged. Okay. If Florida is, that was a, an unexpected late addition there. I yeah. didn't, haven't seen him at all. I knew nothing about him coming from SEMO. Um, so I'll be interested to, to dive into him then as well. Uh, into the tight ends. I know you are a, a notorious tight end hater. Yeah. Um, but is there any tight end from this event that you looked at and you're like, okay, this is a guy that I would want to roster for my NFL fantasy team? Theo Johnson, who was probably the only Penn State guy that had to go week there just for the record. But anyway, uh, Theo, Theo's, he was inconsistent, but like, I think he showed what he can do. And I, I think we kind of I've been watching that for years. So that's, I'm, I'm used to that. <laughs> I meant to ask him too. I was wondering if his whole, like, well, he, he wouldn't have answered. He never would have answered this question. I wonder if he had the same mindset as like Anthony Richardson, where he's like, I'm just not going to get the coaching at the current level. So I might as well just go up. And then the senior bowl invite would have been a blessing at that point. Uh, so I, I, I thought he showcased some pretty good stuff, very consistent, but for the most time, most part, this whole tenant group was very lackluster. And then moving on to one of my, who I'm disappointed in, because I've managed to next question. Ben Sinnott was um, like dropping a lot of balls. I mean, they were all kind of dropping balls, but Benson was like, I thought he had sticky hands. And then watching him with the senior boy, a lot of drops day one, day two, cleaned up a little bit day three, but everyone's opinions are kind of solidified by day one and two. So uh, Benson, it was the biggest disappointment for me because he was like my tight end three coming into the day or going into the weekend. I, I don't, I don't know who it is now, but it, can, it can't be him. Sounds like, sounds like it's going to be Theo Johnson. I mean, it has it, potential. <laughs> it definitely has potential to be Theo in the end. I mean, it's basically Bowers, pretty big tier break, JT Sanders. JT. Pretty yeah. big tier break, and then everybody else. Right. At least that's how it is, kind of for me. 
I was interested in Dallin Holker, uh, but I've seen no news about him at the Shrine Bowl. Not that I've been following the Shrine Bowl, but have not heard a single thing about him on the Shrine Bowl. He's uh he I think he's a little older too. I think he's like 24, he? 25. You know yeah, Sam Harmon's 25? I I did know that. They talked about that on the broadcast of the game okay. or whatever. I guess his teammates called him grandpa all year. Oh uh, yeah. Nice. Yeah, there's there's a lot of good looking dudes. There. I'll tell you what, Bonix, good looking guy. Michael Pratt was or yeah, Michael Pratt's a good looking guy. Sam Harmon's a good looking guy. Andrew Carter's a good looking guy. Cody Schrader. I was like, dude, this is <laughs> We have a full we have a full calendar here. Boys. We got a we got a bachelor uh, <laughs> bachelor senior bowl edition. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right. Well, I uh, appreciate you hopping on here discussing the the senior bowl. This never would have happened with with Austin on the show because he hates rookies. He hates talking anything NFL related. Yeah, that uh, sounds like him. Yeah. Uh, Andrew Carter was like, sorry, I got to talk a little about Andrew Carter. No, no, he you did don't. a lot better than I thought. You know, maybe he had that. He had a little bit of advantage. He had that that home field advantage his players were up in the steel in the fans and the, the Raptors there um and another home field advantage you can get is also with a purchase from home field apparel oh sponsor of campus skin to get a t-shirt you get 15 percent off your first purchase with the promo code campus number two kin get your home field apparel look as good as andrew andrew or not andrew excuse me as bradley carter out there he was dude, i almost switched teams I almost put teams on the spot. <laughs> you, mean, you mean from Kentucky to, to South Alabama, of course. Absolutely. Right? Yeah, that's yeah, what I yeah. meant. Oh, Absolutely. Okay, cool. Well, for you could get a South Alabama shirt on home field apparel, I'm sure, if you wanted to go that route. But that was one of the smoothest transitions into an ad that I've heard in a while. It sounds like there were a lot of smooth looking guys at the event, too. Yes. I speaking of good looking guys. <laughs> I was hoping to get an interview with Gio Lopez in South Alabama, and I think he's a very good steal in your upcoming campus can drafts. I wrote him in one of my articles, and I wish I didn't publish, like, publicly speak about it just now, but went up to a player that I thought looked like him. I'm holding up to my phone. I'm like, that's definitely him. I went up to him. He's like, nope, he's on the field. And they were like nine remotely close looking the same. And I was just like, I'm an idiot. <laughs> so that wasn't the most embarrassed you were there was that other time no the old dude embarrassed in front of me all the cameras that was definitely the most humiliating move yeah and his boys saw this funny so it was okay uh well one more ad here before we get into uh, a little bit of debbie notes um but the c2c winning edge returning production database is live for 2024 we were the first returning production database to market this year. We are the only returning production database that breaks it down by position, gives you everything you need to know about, uh, you know, how many pass yards are returning, what the Russian, the running back room is looking like coming back, all of that kind of stuff for all 134 teams uh, in one big chart and an individual team profile for each team. You're definitely, definitely going to want this if you are, looking at any early betting lines uh, or if you're just a college football junkie so head on over to the website check out the c2c winning edge package for $14.99 a month um in into- Boutte, come on down and flip around that luck all right we've seen your numbers <laughs> you could use some yeah. of this yes yeah maybe if uh maybe if he had this he wouldn't have lost was that like a couple mil i think no i think it's like 100 grand i don't think 100 grand is a mil. yeah yeah okay it was a lot um all right into the Devi notes here. And this is just kind of just some general Devi discussion. But when you have one of the hosts that back to Devi on, you got to get their Devi thoughts. So overall thoughts on the Devi landscape right now, just across all the positions, across all of the players coming back and leaving, like what is something that stands out to you the most this year, maybe compared to some other years? Like the lack of an established like upper echelon of like QBs, for example and running backs it's it's kind of fun like it's it's definitely fun like our ranking I, like we brought on aaron wilcox he's a new member of us for the debbie team and uh his rankings are insane to me but like i love it like i love the <laughs> the diversity here like i was kind of talking about guys on the bleachers like talking about how like you know bubble screen bow and yet like at home they're putting down like qb one or two from the senior bowl the, that's what i kind of love about our company is just anyway I respect his opinion because he has a process. It's different. I might not agree with it, but I respect his pro- like I It's a really fun landscape this year because it's got so much craziness to it. It's got a lot of craziness to it. There's no like, there's no Drake May. There's no Caleb Williams. 
this could end up being like the Kenny Pickett quarterback class where Oof. everyone just sucks in the end. Like it's got so much, it's got such a wide range of like outcomes this year. So that's a lot of fun to me. Yeah. I think the, the quarterbacks one is the one that it really stands out to me. Like there's not a single quarterback that I would advocate right now taking in the first round of a Debbie draft um, running backs. I could see that, you know, you, you got guys like Travion coming back, you know, he really put it together at the end of the year. Um, Justice Haynes looking pretty promising at Alabama. You got Quinshawn there too. Like we know what Quinshawn is. I'm a CJ Baxter fan. You know, you, Singleton still has his truthers. So like you could kind of see some of those guys going in the first round and, you know, I would, I would understand it, but like quarterbacks, like I got, got nobody. Yeah. It's, it's, I'm looking at our rankings right now for Debbie. Carson Beck is our QB two, and only one of us has him ranked above QB two. Otherwise, it's all three, four across the board. Like it's it's crazy. It's crazy. Almost yeah, as I, crazy as Arch Manning being at two. That's kind of crazy, Colin. That's it is kind of crazy, but you know, to be honest, we haven't seen him. He's the mystery box at this point. I know pretty much what Beck, Dart, Ewers, some of these other guys offer. Yeah. We don't really know what, what what Arch has to offer yet, so you know maybe is that is that a little high? Do I feel good about that? <laughs> I, don't I feel don't. good about any of this. <laughs> yes, yeah, it's exactly. impossible. Exactly. Um, the the wide receivers though, I think that there is a a pretty good, you know, established top group there. I have it as kind of like a top five for me right now, and you could even throw Zachariah Branch in there as a six, and I would get that. Um, you know, so I have like Evan Stewart, Luther Burden. I still have a Mecca Egbuka rank pretty highly. I still like his skill set a lot. Um, Cornell Tate, Tet McMillan. Uh, that's kind of rounds out my top five there. Is that kind of the cluster that you have there as well? I feel like you're forgetting someone that's kind of already established. That's a Mecca Egbuka. Did you say his name? I'm... I, I did. I, I still like Egbuka. I do. Um, I have him as my wide receiver three still. Oh, okay. Austin no, I'm with you. Me- Austin was yep. giving me crap about that. I think last week or two weeks ago. Austin has him at four. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> anyway, uh, no, like top five for me, Evan Stewart, Luther for sure, Emeka, Tet, and Tate. Branch is at six. I am a little bit worried about Branch. I'm just seeing a lot of similarities to uh, Barry and Brown's like season. Um, so a lot of short ADOT, clearly a, a, a phenomenal athlete. I think he can do more. I thought Barry could do more. Um, so I'm a little worried if maybe I'm just over ranking branch. Um, but again, it's, it's Lincoln Riley system. It's USC feeling pretty good about it, but those thoughts are going through my mind. So I would love to like shove all the freshmen in front of him, but I, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I, yeah, I agree. I, I'm, I like branch, but you know, I, I kind of want to put the, at least the top three freshmen either right there with him or maybe one spot behind him. And then like Jeremiah Smith, Micah Hudson and uh, Ryan Williams. So they're going to end up right around there. I do worry a little bit about branch and his usage. So hopefully he can expand that a little bit more this year, especially now that that wide receiver room clears out a little bit more, you know, you get um, Brendan Rice is gone. You get um, Taj Washington gone, Dorian Singer, even though he didn't really do that much. He's out the door. Um, It clears out a little bit. So maybe we see him, advance a little in his role yeah i think you could take over whatever that taj washington role was last year i think hopefully yeah, that, that was productive that usage goes yeah i don't i would never throw a 50 50 ball as often as they did to taj like that was kind of <laughs> you know I mean? like he was successful doing it too but it was not the ideal setup so we are uh underway with our debbie guide write-ups you Aaron and Corey have really been uh, really been churning those out here. Are there are there any insights from the guide write ups that you've done so far uh, that you that really stand out to you that maybe you didn't necessarily expect going in? Um, no, sorry, a lot of guys. Uh, actually, yes, yes, yes. Okay. I wrote up Kevin Concepcion. I kind of talked about it two weeks ago here because I don't really. I looked at his tape first half of the season. I think I remember. I want to say it was justice. Someone in our Slack was asking what our opinion was about him, the Debbie team. And I was like, honestly, I was like, I don't know if this is just scheme or he's good or he's like the only one with a heartbeat out there. But like, usually in my experience, it's usually just because he's the only one that's like not bad. And there was a lot of like Puka Nakua similarities to his game. Like a lot of just he's Ooh, a superior. That's athlete. high praise from you. Okay. But, but 
I think the love okay, we'll go into it. I, <laughs> a lot of manufactured touches just being a better athlete. He's not really it's not it's not route running. There's no refinement to his game. It's it's just kind of like superior scheme. That's how he's using him. And that's kind of how Robin I always has his wide receiver ones. Now Puka was the same thing in college too. And I loved him for that because I was like, he's the only one that, he's the only he's the only manufactured touch guy and like gadget receiver coming out of his class. And that's why I kind of clung on to that. Like I think he has like that's his established role. Now he goes to McVeigh, who goes who is a phenomenal, a phenomenal play caller who does really well on getting his wide receivers free releases. Like we talk about Cooper Cup's usage out of the Z. Like it's doesn't need to worry about press coverage ever. And I think we worry I think I worry less and less about beating press coverage each year. It's just like there's just so much motion and scheme now involved that you don't I think it's a trait or I think it's a skill that's just less important in today's NFL climate. So I think Puka's great. I think I think his usage is pretty awesome for fantasy. I think as an individually skilled player, I don't think he's like a top five or like 10 skilled football player probably in the NFL. So I, I, I like Kevin Concepcion, but it's going to depend on his landing spot. It's, it's, it's not, he's not a route runner. He's not like Garrett Wilson or early Stefan Diggs or whatever. It, it's, it's definitely a like certain type of player. He okay. has a role. That's fair. That's fair. And Hey, it was just his freshman year. You know, maybe he develops the skill set a little bit more. We do like uh, to like to see a little bit of development in college too. So yeah. we'll see how that one shakes out. Yeah, he's a player I don't I don't, I don't have a great feel for yet too. I'm kind of with you. Where like I think a lot of it is the scheme, but I think there is definitely some potential there for him. Like I, I can definitely see a role for him in the NFL, but how productive is that role going to be? I'm not entirely sure yet. Yeah, I also came away surprised. I wrote Travis Hunter up. Um, I think me and Corey talked about it two weeks ago. I'm like solidified Travis Hunter is going to become a wide receiver. I'm very positive about it. But I was actually underwhelmed with his route running. I thought it would have been a little bit better. Uh, I've been saying that he's got like Kadarius Tony moving ability, who got drafted in the first round and was a QB converted wide receiver. I do think he has that like human joystick, just insane hip flex, like same, like just insane flexibility in the open field as a runner. Uh, but watching his tape and watching his routes, it was like, well, one, it was it was um a strong Lewis's scheme, but it it was very underwhelming to see his route running. It just wasn't as crisp as I thought I was gonna be looking for someone that clearly has the movement ability to become special. Yeah, well, I mean it I wouldn't necessarily be totally shocked that his route running needs development because he has kind of been split in time between corner wide receivers. So right. maybe he is one of those guys that we see a little bit of late career development from. Um, but I, I'm with you though. I, I do think he is pretty much um gonna be a wide receiver at the next level with how he's been getting bodied at corner by these big body guys like Elegeo Menor, you know and that's something yeah. that I've heard you and you and Corey talk about. Um so Chris yeah, Bell in high school too who's probably gonna be beating out Jacory Brooks at Louisville. Please do not buy Jacory Brooks this year. I'm tired of saying it every single year. Do not buy Jacory Brooks at Louisville. Do not are you buying Cullen Lacey? Because I think yeah, I, I probably you and am. Yeah, I think you and Barnabas mentioned on the show that like after seeing Carter Bradley there, you were like, you know what, Colin Lacey might actually be a pretty good receiver if he was putting up those numbers. I think I think he's a no slant guy, but a lot of like yak there. I, I think Jeff Brown can work with that. Yeah, yeah, and I think uh, you, you're going to see the production this year, presumably from from Colin Lacey, because uh, yeah. I don't think it's coming from Jacory Brooks either. I no. think he's kind of think he's kind of toast um all right well what uh, this is a year like you said where there's not a lot of proven guys at the top there it's it's very fluid right now but there are some players that we had some pretty high hopes for last year that just really didn't live up to them so who's a player you think has the most to prove in 2024 okay well you add a little moniker from disappointing from last year so to help narrow it down thank you because it could okay. have been like it could have been like every quarterback in, in the ncaa yeah well, um, you know, yeah, it, it, take it any way you want, but that's the, the direction I was thinking. It's got to be Drew Aller and Quinn Ewers, the way that was phrased. Uh, so Drew Aller was, like, he showed some amazing flags of true freshman, that off-platform, like, start on throw for a touchdown. Like, that was amazing. And, like, this year, it felt like that one flash, the true freshman year, was, like, still, like, his only flash in his resume. It was very bland play calling. And we talked about, like, Nick Singleton earlier, too, but it's, I probably was so ready to give up on all these Penn State players if they didn't get a new OC and uh, Cordell Nicky in there. They kind of <laughs> just like, all right, we'll, we'll just call it a scratch. We'll see. We'll see how it looks the first four weeks. So 
Drew Allers got something to prove there. And then Quinn, it's the same old stuff about like the deep ball. He still looks fine in the short intermediate, fine on screens. I don't know. I think every day he's he gets closer to Bo Nix, maybe. <laughs> you know, so um I think Drew Allers probably is, is the number one answer to that question. I would agree with that. That's probably the direction I would lean as well. And I am a Penn State fan, so a little bit of homerism on my end. But right. I am I'm optimistic with with Nicky there, especially more so on the Nick Singleton area because Nicky has designed some really good run games and and been a part of some really good run games. Now we'll see this year how much of that was Nicky versus how much of that was Leipold. Um, now that Nicky's on his own. You know, we'll kind of see what that ends up looking like. But I, I think he had a pretty heavy influence in that offense. So I'm optimistic on Singleton. So I'm I'm with you on on that front as as him being one of the other guys that has a lot to prove there. But for me, it's it's Raheem Sanders has most to prove oh, this year. Really? I I I can't quit this guy, man. I saw his that production from a freshman. He had you know uh, some, some good sophomore production as well and then this past year just kind of ballooned up and dealt with injuries but he's big like you know now he's like 245 or whatever but like when he was like 235 230 like i I really like the athleticism he showed at that size his hands um there was just he checked a lot of boxes for me i felt like he was kind of what we wanted antonio gibson to be but a little bit bigger and now I'm just, I'm not so sure. I know a lot of people don't like South Carolina as a landing spot. No. And I think there definitely could have been better landing spots, but I don't hate it. Um, so I will be, because they're, they're going to have Lenora Sellers. You don't want Lenora Sellers slinging the rock 30, 35 times a game. Uh, that's one, just not really his game, but two, it's just going to be his first year as a starter. So I think Raheem Sanders could see some nice production this year, hopefully have a nice little bounce back. But he's one of those guys, just such a volatile stock right now. I have him inside my top 10 running backs, but the floor could completely crater. So. I think all of us do. And I've been telling myself, like, I had four steps. I needed him to one transfer to a better system, which I don't think he did. Uh, I need him to get healthy, which time will do that. I need him to lose weight. <laughs> and like, I'm at step three right now. And if he doesn't lose weight, like to come way into they're like, yeah, he's still 245. I'm, I think I'm going to lower him. I'm looking right now, probably to my 20s, but he's also still inside my top 10. But I will be dropping him like a rock. The rock that he is nowadays. Yeah. The boulder. Yeah. The boulder, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, all right. So, this, this next one here, players you're watching closely in 2024. And that doesn't necessarily have to be these top guys or, you know, like Drew Lar, Quinn, players with the most approved, just players that you personally are looking forward to watching in 2024 for one reason or another. You said players. So, I'm going to take this opportunity to start listing off a lot of names here. Got to start Mixed off misfits. with. <laughs> no, no, not a misfit because he's already a proven okay. stud. You guys just choose to ignore and just act blind. I'm talking about Will Howard here, quarterback from Ohio State. Clearly, clearly a stud. I even talked to uh, Ben Sinnott himself. I asked him, I was like, you are you going to see we see Will Howard at Senior Bowl next year? And he said, probably not. He's probably too good for this. No, I, I couldn't. I couldn't agree with him more. So <laughs> I'm looking at I'm looking at Will Howard operating that Ryan Day system. You know, we know the Ohio State history there. Um, but a little bit deeper, though, I'm pretty excited about some running backs. Uh, we talk a lot about DJ Giddens and Jordan James in our mm-hmm. podcast, but yeah. I think Abu Sama out of Iowa State is a name to watch. Uh, has some really good lateral cut uh, movement ability. Didn't see it in the bowl game. It's a bowl game. I don't really care. And the snow game kind of inflated his stats because no one wanted to tackle. I think that's pretty funny. Anyway, no one wanted to tackle because it's, it's cold out. Um, but I think Abu can be a very high riser too. If he has a good year, you know, I must be like the whole Iowa narratives too, which I'm not like opposed to saying those narratives, but still has to prove it somewhat. So I'm pretty excited about him as well. And then on the wide receiver side, I am not a fan of this, but it's not talked about enough, but Antoine Wells needs to prove it. Mm -hmm. He's going to be six years removed from high school. He's going to be older. He had a phenomenal year four with South Carolina, got hurt. And again, since he has his age thing, he has to come out like swinging, which I don't think any of us doubt that he does. But all the old Miss wide receivers are very interesting. And uh, him, Deion Smith is back. So 
And then um, a little bit deeper name for me, but Jeremiah Hunter retains retains Will, Will Rogers as his quarterback yep. with Jed Fish. I, I know like we're not saying Washington's going back to the playoffs this year, but it's still a Jed Fish offense. Isn't it like P. Carroll's son is the OC? And then also, yeah. Yeah. Now we got and Bill Belichick. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. As the defensive coordinator. Uh, so, anyway, not that I think they're going to be like turning the team around right away, but could be kind of fun. So, uh, I have a couple guys on, on my list here as well. And I think you mentioned a lot of interesting names there. Jeremiah Hunter will be one that is, is really interesting to watch, I think, because we do like Jed Fish's system, uh, especially with what he was able to do last year with, um, Tet and Cowing, and then even the year before with a guy like Singer, who we're not a huge fan of. So I'll be interested to watch Hunter there as well. Um, I think one of the players I'm the most interested in this year in watching is uh, Cam Seldon and how he does yeah. at Tennessee. Now, you and Barnabas talked about it on your show too, where like, you know, Tennessee doesn't really like commit to one running back. And we've seen that for the past couple of years. You know, this past year, they had Jabari Small, they had Jalen Wright. Um, both of those guys split touches. They're both gone now, so it does clear out a little bit. I mean, it's going to be Dylan Sampson, who's like pretty tiny. Uh, and then you have Cam Seldon, you know, who's more prototypical size. He's like 215, 220-ish. Um, you know, he's like 6'1". So I, I'll be really interested to see how much of that backfield that he ends up getting. And is he going to be the guy that we thought he was? You know, is he going to finally be the uh the Raheem Sanders the uh Antonio Gibson guy who's just this like big uber athlete great hands um you know we were all very high on Selden from from the beginning and he's finally I think going to get an opportunity this year so I really want to see what he does with that opportunity and then I think quarterback is is a really tough one. I want to see what Miller Moss does. He looked good in that okay. bowl game, but it was a bowl game. I don't I think it was still piped up a little bit. Absolutely. Uh, Absolutely. You know, a little bit more than what it actually was, but he's going to be the quarterback in a Lincoln Riley offense. So, I have him right now as my QB 19. It feels a little low for the quarterback in a Lincoln Riley offense, but for Miller Moss, who a guy who I was never really a big fan of, it feels a little high. So I, I'm really having a hard time with like the the dichotomy there between the those two. And, and I wanted to see him actually put some, you know, real game tape out there, several games, and just kind of see what he does. Yeah, that's a good call out too. Like I have like five QBs all in this, like they're all next to each other, or four. You can't read. There's four. Um, like Garrett Nussmeyer's got to be in that category. Preston Stone mm-hmm. got hurt. I'm very interested in too. And I also am very interested in Josh Hoover from TCU, uh, a gunslinger. Okay. Does, doesn't really talk about the Debbie community, and, and like I don't think that's inappropriately wrong. But I, I do think he could have like a collegiate football career, like arc of like Jackson Dart. Like I see a lot of like elements in his game to earlier Jackson Dart. So I'm pretty excited about Hoover as well, just to see which way he's going to go in his development. You know. Yeah, I mean, Hoover, that first game, he came out and he slinged the ball all over the yard for like 400 yards. And then the following week, he just looked terrible. But then you heard all the players talk like, oh, like now that Hoover's taking over instead of Chandler Morris. Yeah. So that's a good shout out on Hoover, too. I have him right now as my QB 36 in Debbie. Mm -hmm. But there's like guys ahead of him that I'm like, I should I should probably have Hoover ahead of Grayson McCall. I, I feel good. Not good. I'm I am but like positively intrigued by like my top 14. And then there's like about six guys after that where I'm just regularly intrigued. And then there's mm-hmm. a lot of guys that I'm not super high on, but they have to be mentioned, and I'm gonna have to put my rankings more than just 20 dudes. Um also, dude, you didn't really mention Hank Brown. Very surprising because I know mm-hmm. you're a massive Hank Brown fan from Auburn. Had like two of the greatest drives ever. And I'm I'm dude, I'm surfing the Auburn message boards, by the way. All of them are just pitchforks out for getting a new court <laughs> really it's not really so much them hyping up hank well they are hyping up hank brown but it's absolutely just driven for their hate for peyton thorne they just want peyton thorne out of here yeah i mean i i, I can't really blame them for that like we yeah. know peyton thorne is at this point and it's it's not good so yeah i mean i guess throw hank brown out there it can't be any worse i think i think we're underrating the actual potential to see more hank brown than what we really thought we we're gonna see so 
not saying it's going to be going one way, but going to be, we're going to see him. I think we're going to see him more than we think. Now, how does the name Hank factor into your rankings here? Because I just have a hard time picturing an NFL stud QB being named Hank. That's true. I mean, if it was like in the 60s, I could probably dig it. But <laughs> yeah, exactly. I don't know like about now? today's era. <laughs> <laughs> like you're buying Hank Brown jerseys? Like, I, yeah. It's weird. Yeah, if he was know. like in Texas, I mean, you can make it work with Hank Hill, you know, but just yeah, okay. making a meme like that. But King of the I Hill? Don't know. Yeah, he's gonna have, like grow a mole. He's gonna be like Gardner Mishu out there. The mole. I don't know. He's gonna he's gonna need a thing. He can't just he throw does. it out there. It's yeah. just Hank. He's gonna need a thing. It just maybe just like white t shirt and jeans, and that's just him all the time. Just it fully embrace the Hank Hill thing. That yeah. could be his thing. Yeah. All right. Well, that is gonna do it for us here today, Mike. Appreciate you hopping on here. You are you a little you a little jet lagged from that uh, mobile trip, or have you recovered from that side of things? I think you guys know on the Slack that I don't sleep much. Yeah, I'm hitting you guys true. up at 2 a.m. all the time. So that's jet lag does not really affect me. I really do run on like low amount of sleep. So um, no, the answer to that question is no. All right. Well, that's fair. Well, either way, I appreciate you coming on here, uh, filling in for Austin on short notice uh, and for that beautiful, beautiful home field apparel ad. Mm. That was that was seamless. Thank you. Uh, Thank you. But all right, that is going to do it for us here tonight. Be sure to check out Mike and Corey talking more in depth on the Senior Bowl this week on Wednesday. I'm sure you guys will have more uh, player player centric discussion on that one. But uh, until next time, I'm Colin. I'm Mike. And have a good one.